listening to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Oh, gee, we went through that fast. Hello, everyone. Um, we don't we don't usually open with that song, but we did tonight. It's usually the closing song, but it's open tonight, so we opened with it. Uh, it was written for this show a long time ago. I mean, well, technically, it was written for this show, but we were still doing Wake Up USA uh, as this show was being developed. Yeah, it was called Wake Up USA UFO Study. Uh, it was on Stardust Radio. I think they still exist. Uh, Jeffrey was my producer. He was the owner of the network. It's... Uh, 1060 oh it'll come to me but <clears throat> well he was he you know if you know where captain kirk was born uh 
then that's where this, the radio station is. It was an AM station, and that's where it was based out of. And um, it was weird because, you know, we had hosted a support group for people who had had weird experiences on it. It's called um, UFO Alien Phenomena. And it had been around for a while. We had started out on Yahoo, and Yahoo was kind of crazy. It got a little crazy after a while um, between the bots and all kind of other craziness running on. So we ran across FireTalk, but as we did, they were going out of business and PalTalk was taking over. So we had a PalTalk chat room. They were getting all these free advertisements out tonight. Um, where we, you know, where we found that you had a lot of control over the room, but a lot of people who we had on Yahoo didn't want to come. And you'd be, so one of the biggest bitches was because it was blue. I was like, what do you mean? Because it's blue. What the hell does that matter? As long as everything works, I mean, you had control over your rooms. But anyway, it took, I don't know, six or seven years to get everybody from the other group to that group to move over there with us. And then, of course, while we were, while they were moving, we were building an even bigger group, but <clears throat> It was it was insane. So we got the Pal Talk group going, and we were over there every night. There was admins there, twenty four seven. People always talking to somebody, anybody who had, had an experience or something weird that had happened to it could come in and share or talk to one of the directors or one of the you know. We had a couple people there just for talking with people who have had problems, and you know, we had places where you could talk to different directors and stuff like that. So uh, it would just help people out. They had somewhere to go that they weren't going to be laughed at or picked on. But anyway, so we're hosting this room, and um, I, I was hosting along with a couple of friends of mine, and uh, November Hansen, DeAndre, rest in peace, Jason Wilson, uh, a couple of others that we were over there working, if I missed you, um, Joyce and Pat and a few others, Gia, and, and um, oh, I forget his name now, but um, there was just a bunch of us over there talking, and, and you know, every night we would talk, and we would talk, and we would talk, and these conversations would get going, we were doing research, and it was very disjointed at the time. It was before Icar formed, and it was very strange. And then one night, this guy comes in and says, "Hey, I have a show called Wake Up USA, a UFO study." And he said, "I've had multiple UFO hosts, and he has had pretty big names before me on the on the show." And I was like, "And he said, would you like to host?" And I was like, "Nope." <laughs> that was my answer. I was like, "Nope." And then uh, a couple weeks goes by. He comes by. We're in the middle of a like a it's like a five hour chat. And he comes and he says, I've been listening to you. So you could easily do two hours, easily. You, you need to come do this. And it's like, no, dude, I, I know nothing about real radio. I've never been on terrestrial radio uh, other than maybe one or two call-ins or something like that or a guest a, a appearance somewhere. But I was like, no. So then he started coming to the chat room on a regular basis on the Stardust radio. He was always in there. He's hanging out with us, hanging out with us. So finally, he wore me down after about six months or a year. He says, look. Let's try this. So very first, because I didn't do guest acquisitions, he did. So very first guest he lines me up with is Jerry Black. Jerry Black at the time was anti-Golf Breeze. We just come through Golf Breeze and, and uh, went through all the evidence. So it was an argument, the whole show. The whole entire show was an argument. I mean, the whole show was. Uh, we argued the whole show about this, that, and the other thing. But I enjoyed it. And we did take questions. A couple, and then um, it got to the point where we always took at least five or six questions. We tried to take 10, but excuse me, we learned early on that 10 questions in a two hour show was, was just undoable because you know, our guests I should say, our, our, our listeners ask really good questions to our guests, so it would just sprawl out. Sometimes it would take 10 15 minutes to answer the question. And, you know, the guests had their stuff they were there for, whatever book they were pushing or whatever they were up to. 
they were there for that. So, you know, that's, that's so that's how I got into radio. But by this time, um, iCard started forming. Uh, we had put up the Alien Enigma website, which is still up, by the way. It was the very first website I ever built, alienenigma.org. Uh, was the very first website I ever built, not on HTML, I should say. Um, but anyway, it's still there. We, we put it up for a reason. It was 1998, I believe. I'm pretty sure that wasn't when it was, 98. And then about two years later, we put the International Community Alien Research website up, which has been up ever since, too. Both these websites have been there forever. There's tons of information on both of them. Both of them need a serious remodel now. Uh, about every five to seven years, they just need to be remodeled. It's just it's just how their links get broken. Things need to be changed. Information's changed. Just, you know, and things need to be updated is what it really is. So it's interesting uh, to go over there. So, uh, But still, you know, that's when it formed, and that's when we started really home and research. So I'd already been doing research for 20 years before this. Um I had started out. I had started out because people kept telling me they were being abducted by aliens, and I think they thought they were nuts. And I mean, people, people of caliber, just I'd be talking to them in a conversation. Matter of fact, my dentist is working on my teeth. I'm, I'm 21, I think, at the time. She starts telling me about this alien abduction. She was dead serious. I was like, "What?" So I'm uh, trying to get through classes, so I'm paying. I'm working nights at some convenience store somewhere. And two two different occasions, someone came in and told me about their contact. I was like, "What the? So what the hell is going on here?" <clears throat> so <clears throat> my manager asked me to take over a key house. I don't know if you know what a key house is or not, but anyway, they asked me to take it over as manager. So it was, you know, gave me lots of free time in the daytime because it was a key house. It was nothing in it but cigarettes and cokes and oil and gasoline. So I was like, okay. Um, so it was gave me a lot of time to catch up on stuff I was working on. And I had already got involved with a couple of groups working on, you know, checking this stuff out, talking to people in school, talking to people on campuses, talking to people everywhere, actually, and uh, learning more and more. And then <clears throat> I'd be, I'd, I was out, matter of fact, I was out in a nightclub called Alien, sitting there having a drink with a friend of mine. And these two girls came and pushed in between us and uh, trying to get a drink. And the girl said something smart. And I said, whatever, just take your little whatever. And I'm going to say how I said it. And she says, well, you wouldn't believe what happened to us anyway. And the other girls and my friend said, what? You got abducted by aliens? She said, you know, it's Dutch. How did you know? And oh, my God. She went into an hour. I'm trying to get drunk. She's telling me about alien abductions. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, come on. What kind of stuff is this? But it seemed to be escalating more and more and more where people coming to me and just telling me they didn't know me. They know me from being. I really didn't think I had one of those faces you thought you could just come up and spill your whole life to me, especially things that could ruin your career. There was a couple of politicians uh, that I knew through the family that I'm talking. Matter of fact, Miss Carroll, who was my dentist, told one of the ladies who was a politician that she had told me and that I didn't I didn't freak out. So we're at, a, we're at a dinner party. I'm 22, looking hot, 22. And uh, yeah, I didn't have to throw that in there. Why not? But uh, <laughs> anyway... Um, she comes up and starts talking to me and I recognize her from TV and we got to talk. She told me who she was and I was like, oh, she was House of Representative. And I was like, uh-oh. And, and we, we talked and she said, well, Ms. Carol said she told you about her experience and, and you, you found it interesting. And she just starts talking. I mean, this woman's sitting in the, in the House of Rep. She's got kids. Her husband owns a big business down here. This is stuff that could really damage their careers, all their careers. And um, I was like, 
why do you just, and, and I asked her at the end, why do you feel a need to tell me? She says, there's just something about you. I trust. I, I, it's, it's like you need to know. And I was like, I need to know. And it didn't still didn't dawn on me. It was a dumbass. Um, so, but anyway, we got these chat groups going and all this other stuff going on. We got iCar started and then we finally started really getting directors out. The first year we had 25 directors in the U S and four abroad. And we were, we were taking on cases like you freaking wouldn't believe, man. 150, 200 cases per director that first year. And we had stuff backlogging. I mean, it was just backlogging. And, um, and then you see, and so then I got with my friend in November and we rearranged the site because, you know, when it, when the questionnaire was short and, and was very specific, people would do it, but some of them were lying because some of the stuff had been talked about in public. So, that was cutting into a lot of our time. So what we did was, is we made this questionnaire. They ran between 75 and 125 questionnaires. And a couple of places in there, we asked that you gave uh, an, uh, a recollection of your own, you know, of your own memory, type it in yourself and put it in there. Well, most people who are going to fake it aren't going to take the time to do it. They're just not. So that helps us. And it also gave us a lot more detail to work with as the caseload started to come in. Second year, we had a few more directors. I think we added about another 10 directors. But the caseload had jumped up to at least 500 per director. Now, each director had helpers and stuff like that, but it was, it was a lot. It was, it was a lot coming in. And then um, a friend of mine down in Brazil calls me up. He goes, Joe, I hear you doing this, blah, 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 blah. I said, well, dude, I didn't, what? he said, man, we, we're going to be ICAR Brazil for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, we just did a 5,000 case study on um, – on human type aliens and, and their interactions with people down here because it seemed to be very prominent in certain places of South America. And we know that from the Naskin line, from the Naskins, but um, it was strange. It was just strange for him to call like that. So, you know, all of a sudden here comes an additional 5,000 cases already been investigated cases that we all wanted to put into the database and be able to read and, and use and choose from. So as this is going on, so the first 10 years, we accumulated a massive amount of data, a massive amount. Um, I, there was over 30,000 cases, close to about 37, 37, 38, 37,000 cases. Because by then Madrid had come in. They also had about 5,700 cases they brought in with them. And so, that, I mean, that was 10,000 cases right there. Between some of the side groups and all, it was close to, I want to say close to 20,000 that they had brought in. Plus what ICAR research is now that we were, by then we were, about 125 people around the world uh, looking at this and directors. There was more than that and people helping out. And we were just getting stuff. And when we really sat down and did the, the real first abduction criteria, which was about 10 years in, we, got, we had one we had done with MUFON. Yeah, because I was with MUFON for a while. And I actually liked Walt Anders, but MUFON was just, man, it was like the black hole of Calcutta, whatever we sent never came back and we rarely ever got a response from anything. We're doing hardcore research, a lot of time, a lot of money. And it was like crickets, you know, you're like, what the hell, what do you mean crickets? And it was disenchanting as one of my people, one of my friends wrote on my website. I, I was just like, well, this is bullshit. So I got with all the directors I knew at the time and we found all the abduction cases we could find worldwide, uh, which was probably about 12,000, but most of those, at least 6,000 were bullshit. Uh, the other 5,000, we went through and we did a compare list. What was the same in each case? Or was there similarities in each case? And you'd be surprised how many similarities there are in alien abduction. Um, so we, we went through all of this. And that was our, our first set of abduction criteria. We've done it again since then. But 
Um, there's a lot of stuff. There's just a lot of stuff. So, and Jeremy, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. So, you know, this is stuff that we've learned, you know, by cumulative research and uh, working with organizations and other groups. Now, the U.S. government, unfortunately, doesn't have that option. You know, most of us don't keep our databases. Any Matter of fact, with the exception of MUFON, every other group that I've worked with does not keep their mainframe online. You can't access it from the Internet. And when it is online, they have a select date. Now they do it, you have to have a special CD ma- mailed out to you. With, it's like 128-bit encryption or something uh, that you have to use, and that's the only time you can use it. And that's just to upload your data and download whatever you're looking for, you know, do a quick search or whatever you're looking for. And they monitor it strict. And they, they make sure no, no other IP addresses are coming in and stuff like that. And it has a scanner that scans your, um, well, most of them have a scanner that scans your computer, make sure there's no viruses before you even enter. So it's a nice system. Um, we use a similar system. It, it's just, we use a rotating uh, system. But anyway, it's just the only way you can keep that data safe. Because what happens if it gets out? You know, we have 90, I think it's 93, 94,000 cases on file. Uh, the database says 96,000, but they, they, sometimes there's stuff in there that's not actually cases. It's other stuff. And uh, there's just a lot. You know, yes, it's over 40 years, but it's still a lot. Somebody one day said, how'd you do that? How'd you do 90,000 cases by yourself? Because I didn't do them by myself. I didn't even do it. wasn't just U.S. directors. This was a worldwide effort to get to where we are today. Now we slowed down today, and actually we're fixing to do a complete a complete overhaul of organization because the organization served its purpose uh, for what it did in the beginning. But it's no longer needed for that anymore. We've moved past that. We That data is now correlated and accumulated, and we know what it's for. We know what's going on with that stuff. So we've actually moved on, probably like the aliens have. But still, we've actually moved into other areas and other ways of thinking and other things that we're looking for when it comes to dealing. Because you know, even though there's some rough stuff in alien abductions, uh, there comes a time when all that changes. You, they either leave you alone or you get to be, in a way, part of what they're doing. Uh, Jim, no, we're getting there. We're going to tie this into why, what the government knows and what they don't. So, you know, by doing this kind of research, we've learned a lot. We've learned about a lot about the craft, <clears throat> the designs, uh, what they may or may not be up to, who's up to what, uh, <clears throat> what, what really is going on, alien abduction, I remember. When we sent out our first query, uh, we sent out, so we took 50 abductees and sent them all the same question. Nobody knew who it was. It's all random. <clears throat> Sorry. It's all random stuff. And uh, so you, you don't you don't know who it's actually going to. Uh, you know, so we, we ask a question and we send that question out to those 50 people. And then we tell those people to, to, to do it to prep for an abduction, like they're going to be taken. So they start just rolling this question through their head all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And the reason they do that is as soon as ET grabs them, that question will be transmitted to ET. A lot of times ET answers like a reflex. Uh, yeah, it can be, it, it can have consequences to the contactee from time to time, but these kind of questions we're asking really won't. It's more like, <clears throat> they're more like proud parents when, when you ask questions like that. And you're like, oh yeah. Okay, look at my abductee. I managed to get this question out. But regardless, a lot of times you get it. So one of the, the first question we ever asked was, why did they mutilate cows and take cows? And the basic answer, the, the closest translation is laughs out loud or laughs my, you know, what, ass off. Um, they don't. 
there's no need for them to take them. And since then, we've actually come up with a theory that actually works for cattle mutilations, for what are they really for, at least in the United States. I can't speak for around the world, but I can speak for what's going on in the United States. And it ain't, guess what? It's not aliens. I don't want to say that too loud. I don't want to offend anybody, but it's not aliens. <clears throat> no, and there's lots of ways to prove it, but we're not going to get into that now anyway. The government works uh, in mysterious ways and does a lot of things. You know, people tell me all the time, like the, 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 um, the Skinwalker Ranch. Well, I got to spend three weeks out there a long time ago. I mean, we're talking like, oh, man. Uh, it was before um, Bigelow owned it. <clears throat> anyway, through a courtesy of a friend of mine. We'll talk about that on another show. But um, there is a high radiation count out there. There really is. Um, but the skies are beautiful, I'll tell you that. I mean, look, people, when you're sitting out there looking at the skies at night, they're gorgeous. Yes, but I didn't feel, sense, hear, or see anything that I would consider to be otherworldly. That's the best way I could say it. There's nothing out there that felt like it. And I remember when they showed that on that TV show, oh, they found this thing. No, they didn't. We had found that a long time ago. <clears throat> I mean, we're talking like 20 years before they did. I don't know what all that was about. You know, I'm sure those, those shows do that for whatever reason. And, and the guy who bought the place needs to make money. I understand that. And that's a good way to make money, you know. The legend of Skinwalker Ranch. But let me ask all the other questions. So the government used to own it. So if there was something especially alien-related at Skinwalker, why would the government sell it? Uh, that's one of them. Uh, well, why would they sell it? Mm -hmm. especially knowing that it's downrange from a nuclear testing facility. By the way, the radiation there won't kill you. Uh, may, yeah, maybe after 50 years or so it might, but maybe, commute, yeah, it's not it's not horrible. Anything. It is enough to make your Geiger counters go off or sometimes screw with your cars. And sometimes, depending on what the sun's doing and things like that, it can, it can peak and go up and down, but... There's lots of areas like that. That's what cattle mutilations are for. But anyway, um, sorry, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, so you know, if the government gave it up, why would they? I mean, why would you think the government gave it up? I mean, why would they do that? Skin work is supposed to be something. I mean, I've I've heard every ufologist and their freaking grandmother say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Then why did the government give it up? I mean, the government needs to know. They want to know. They don't know as much as they, you know, they'll even they'll admit that they don't know anything. So they got some. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to sell it to Bigelow. Really? Bigelow had it for a while. And what did Bigelow do with it? He sold it to this other guy. So Bigelow's big in the UFO stuff. But he sold it. Why? Obviously, there was nothing out there for him to keep it for. There's more rumors than there is action out there, is all I can tell you. They're, not that there's stuff that don't happen from time to time, but it's just, it's more actions than it is. Any, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just more in your head than it is anything else. And I don't think sometimes it's not forced out of your head to make something happen. Well, I mean, there weren't. There weren't any mutilated cows or any mutilated people. There weren't any big sightings of UFOs all over the place. There just seemed to be, well, blah. 
I did. I spent three weeks. I, I, I just, I was like, I, I can tell you, and it was still, it was still military at the time. So it's just, yeah. So and they sold it again. <laughs> so they sold it. What the hell are you still worried? So, but that's another problem when we talk about all this stuff with the government and with the ufology, we get stuck on things like, Betty and Barney Hill. Okay, I liked Betty and Barney Hill. Barney was a nice guy and all. Betty's a nice woman and all. Uh, Roswell, okay. Big deal. Everybody's dead. Can't we move on to something more present? So when you look at the government, well, does the government know something more present? Have they been watching people or taking people? You know, there's a couple people I've met over the years that I'm not going to mention their name because they got out of them. Uh, out of the field now. And uh, the one was the very first military abductee I've ever met that was in the military. I know more than one, by the way, but she was the very first one. You know, she had put up, I think her website is still up. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Somebody else took it over. But she was, when we, when her and I talked, and we talked about the level of hypnosis they used and all, the government was desperately seeking information. The problem was is, for the everyday contact the air they didn't have any information. Just other than what was being done to them, they just didn't have any information to give the government. So the government was kind of screwed. Uh, Barney might have, Betty didn't, but Barney might have something they were interested in because they, they had been tailing Barney since he was a kid. Yeah, I guarantee you that when they came in from Canada that day, that was an alien, that was a military abduction. That wasn't an alien abduction. Everything points to a military abduction. Oh, they get mad when I talk about it, but. That's another point. The government was went out of their way to set this whole thing up to take this gentleman to see what exactly happened to him while he was in Canada. And for some reason, <clears throat> nobody could figure it out. Uh, it was scary. But, you know, it was just a scary thing in itself. You know, and then they given, you know, they couldn't even get directions back from Canada back to the United States. They got lost. And what I mean by that is when they stopped to ask direction, one saw a black cop, one saw a white Irishman, redheaded white Irishman. Yeah, I mean, come on. What, how can you look at a black gentleman? You know, he, I think Barney said he was like 6'1", six, 6'2", six, and she described a white, a, a, a lily white, redheaded Irishman somewhere around 5'5". Five, five. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I've done that once when I was drunk, but I, other than that, I don't, I don't, I, I just don't get it. So it was, that that's classic alien abduction one one. And when they were asked about the hotel they stayed in, they couldn't remember the name of the hotel, and they swore they had breakfast that morning across the street, and they could not remember the name of the restaurant or the hotel where they were watching from across the street. And then later that day, of course, they misinterpreted the offices. Yeah, they had already been taken. This was just a cover. Yeah, you know, might have even been a wake up. It might have been a wake up memory, but it was it was something that, and you know, they'd already been taken. So when they put him back, the government knew. I mean, the government, like I said, had been tailing Barney since he was knee high to a pup, uh, and they got him. They they he came back in the United States. They waited for him to get back in U.S. territory. They took him. They, they did whatever they were going to do. I mean, we hear him in his own words talking about what happened to him and her and her original words, not the stuff. That ufology helped her to change, but the stuff she said originally, mm-mm, buddy, swinging doors, pull down maps, pull out drawers, no way, that's not alien technology, no freaking way, no how. And then they both described the gentleman in black shoes, black pants, black shirts, black duckbill hats. I mean, this is classic. I mean, half of our military and special forces use this. 
um, even Homeland Security and the, and the ranges. Everybody uses this. I mean, it's just a classic thing they use. And then later they describe people who sounded like they were from the, the Center for Disease Control. Uh, you know, and a lot of the way the, the stuff that was taken, different kind of fluid samples, different kind of skin samples, hair samples. I, I'd never heard of an alien abduction like this before. I've never heard of an alien abduction where you walked up the stairs. Uh, not like that in any way. Uh, so I was, I was, I was taken back, man. And then a friend of mine got hold of all the original, um, hypnosis tapes they were made so they were in some file sharing thing somewhere online he got them for me and he sent me like 10 or 12 might even been more than that uh am and fm that shows that barney and betty went and did now their stories changed a little throughout barney's never did betty's changed uh, along uh, along the line but barney was definitely the contact of the abductee i mean he'd been having mental issues his whole life it was just something he couldn't deal with and then, you know, and they were singled out. I mean, think about it. They had a colonel living with him. Living with this guy was a postman. You know what a colonel is? Colonel a colonel in the in the uh colonel's as close to a general as you can get without actually being a general. Uh they're way up there, they run bases, they run things, they're they're you know, they're like a um I, I mean, they're just way up there. And they usually don't hang around with people like that. And uh, and then not only that, he knew two other colonels besides them. This guy never served. So he knew two other colonels besides the guy who was living with him. They lived right up the street from the base. And then they got invited to the White House because he was a postman. And he got invited to the White House uh, for dinner, him and his wife. And remember, they were a biracial couple at the time. <laughs> That's that, that was unheard of for the time. That's all I can tell you. I, I don't know what was going on there. But they had been tagging Barney his whole life. And I think that's finally what put him over in and what finally killed him. But he wanted, you know, he wanted to, to, to talk about this. He wanted people to know what was happening to him. But And when you listen to the hypnosis tapes, there's, there's really like three different sets of memories there. So there's the memories of what actually happened. And when he describes it, in, in the memories, it's much different. He talks about this being. He talks it, about things going on. And then later on, you hear him talk about what what, is, what sounds like a military cover memory uh, and then his ordinary memory from the day of the event. It, it just seems to be all jumbled up together, uh, which is probably the way they did it back in the day. It made you not think about it. or Well, made you couldn't, can't think about it because it was just too, too much of a mess in your head. Unless you had some really good skills. That was a good way for the government to do it. But think about it. The government still didn't learn anything. Oh, they knew what kind of environment he was in, you know, maybe the air and the, what type of air there was in the ship. Uh, but from what a lot of these contacts talk about these ships being so sterile, I don't, I don't know what they're actually going to get, you know, maybe some molecules or something here, there, maybe some kind of sample from one of the graves or one of the other aliens that touched them. Uh, maybe something along those lines, if they sweat, maybe they left something behind. I don't know, but they were trying to get something. And that was probably, oh, I didn't even see these comments over here. Sorry guys. Uh, that was probably something, uh, probably something on the line of what they were trying to do. It really is. You know, they went out there and they did all of that and, and, and tried to find out what they could find out about these aliens, uh, which seemed to be very little when you listen to what Betty and Barney Hill said. It, it just doesn't seem like they got all that much out of it. It just seems to be they kind of like, uh, 
So, but that goes back to what we were talking about. So what does the government actually know? So somebody said, oh, they met with the aliens. They met with the... First, let me ask you a question. Why? Why did the aliens meet with the government? From what I understand about the aliens, they don't have any desire to even talk to our government. Oh, yeah, I have no no doubt. You know, somebody asked me that they are aliens. Well, of course they're real. Uh, you know, it's the argument is what they're actually here for and what they're doing here. And I can tell you this much. They're not here to save us and they're not here to wipe us out. If they were here for either one of those, we'd already be wiped out or saved. But they've been here a long time. So it's it's much it's it's much more entangled than that. And no, they're not trying to use us to better themselves. You know, this race has been around a billion years. It's evolved into a super being. And it wants to contaminate its, its its DNA with us. I'm not thinking it feels real good about that. Uh, I, I'm just not feeling it. No, no, no. Maybe they're trying to subtly change us because we already have their DNA. We have the reptilians and, and human uh, alien DNA probably have some gray now. So, you know, they may be trying to alter us a little bit at a time, slowly but surely, because they can't really, like, in, in, interfere, interfere. But, um, yeah, you know, how... How do you screw around with our DNA, but that's not considered interference, but if you give us technology to feed us, that's interfering. Hmm. Yeah, that's the moral high ground of extraterrestrials. It's just got to be a little on the weird side. But again, that takes you back to what does the government know? So the government don't know where they are, or they'd watch them. You know, they'd be watching them all the time. Um, obviously, a lot of these flare cameras you see, they have no idea what they're looking at. And Bobby, some of them might be drones. I mean, drones are pretty sophisticated now, but, um, and they can fly in formation and stuff in groups. So, I mean, it's anything can be done with that. And I'm sure there are people out there trying to hoax up a trained pilot should know the difference. Um, but the government wants to know the truth, but who's going to tell them? We're not going to tell them. And they can only mess with the contactees so much because the aliens get pissed when they do. They're like, no, 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 don't, don't be taking our people against their will. No, we don't want you doing that. And there's been lots of stories over the years about greys and reptilians retaliating against them, taking their contactees. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, they're, they're kind of stuck. The aliens themselves don't really seem to want to really extend the hand of friendship out other than to the people that they're taking. All three of the races. So it leaves the, the government grasping for information any way they can. And then if Charles Hall is correct, then the tall white race lives out or has a base out at Area 53. Um, that's the first race that seems to interact with us on an equal level. Well, maybe not equal level, but as close as equal as they, we can get. Uh, they talk with us. They, they do stuff with us. I mean, you know, supposedly they even go to Vegas. I've been to Vegas a few times. <laughs> if I ever see a tall white in Vegas, first thing I'm going to do is take my camera and take about 50 shots. Mm -hmm. Well, there's nothing wrong with... Okay. When I first got in this field way, way back in the day, coming out, it's just it's like being gay. I mean, you're coming out of the closet when you come out of being an abductee. Now, today... Uh, it's not as bad. I mean, being gay, gay is not as bad as being an abductee. You know, when you come out as an abductee or a contactee, man, you can face all kind of ridicule. You can even lose your job, especially if you post it on your Facebook pages or places like that or that are public. Your boss could go, 
oh, well, you think aliens are probing you, you know, so you got to get out of here. No, we can't have that kind of mis mis craziness in our thing. So, so it, it yeah, it's dangerous. It's still dangerous today. Even you know, it's different for me. Somebody asked me the day how I deal with it because I own my own businesses, and uh, my customers are interested in price than they are in what what I'm probing. Yeah, or being probed by. Yeah, exactly. But they they don't they don't really care about that. There's a couple of mass questions every once in a while, but for the most part, and they know I do other stuff besides this. They know you know I have other interests. And I also am in the politics, and I do interest, in, and I do you know interviews with with people like that. But the government wants to know more. I mean, they really do. It's like you know, as a friend of mine, I like to talk about Bitcoin with because it just drives her insane. And um, this reminds me of uh, the girl from Doctor Who. But the thing of it is, is all of this is leading somewhere. You know the way these abductions happen, the way they seem to drive things in a direction, the way the government seems to respond to it. And for some reason, since the Obama government, the response has been different, not as much. It's, it's almost like they lost part of their organization. I don't, I don't think Obama knew anything about it either. That's a bad part. Probably some bill they defunded, something they got into the Republicans with, or something they were using to fund it, and the Republicans cut it, or vice versa, the Democrats cut it. So it left them kind of vulnerable, you know. So the government just just doesn't really. I mean, they have some idea. They probably possess at least one craft that I know of, um, and that's only because ET wants them to have it. Well, if they didn't want them to have it, they'd just come take it. You know, what are we going to do? Shoot a nuke at them? They'll just melt it. Nah, you see, that's the thing. You're not going to stop them from, I mean, they take cars, they take people, they take things all the time. And every now and then somebody goes missing. But when they go missing, they go missing, missing. Everything, their car, their phone, their dog, everything goes missing. Well, there's lots of places that disappear people in, in the world. I'm not going to argue with that. But um, I don't think that's what this is. Well, unless you just think that, you know, people just hated them and got together as a group and that's what they did. But there's probably other reasons for that. But, but again, you know, the government asks questions all the time. The government's funded three pro, uh, private, slightly public programs that we know of. What it was, it was, uh, it was, what was it? It was Blue Book, Signs, and Grudge, I think. It was, or one of them. Anyway, it was three of them they ran. Uh, each one was progressive of the other one. Still in the end, the last one left 776 cases unexplained. Yeah, this was Project Blue Book from back in the day. And and, uh, and still left that many unexplained. That only really could be explained by what the people said it was. Recently in this new group they ran, there was 512 left unexplained. So in the four times the government's done this, well, we'll just say the last two times the government's done this, there was 1,200 cases left unexplained. We don't know how many cases were left in the two previous ones unexplained. We don't know because the government never told us that. But you probably think it was probably the same, at least the same amount. So even for the government, they got all these cases out that they can't explain, and they know it's not the Russians and the Chinese. You know, they worry a little bit about the Russian drones building some, you know, super fast, uh, building some great drone technology or something like that that can freak us out and do all kind of stuff. I mean, they just built a hyper hypersonic missile. Uh, Carly, <laughs> Carly, I, Carly, yeah. Don't ask me. I, 
because America was sleeping, obviously. They let Russia get to jump on us. Little Russia doesn't even have any money. They they come up with a hypersonic missile and we didn't have one. I'm just don't even know what to tell you. I I, I could tell you this. If another president would have been president, we'd have probably had him. No, we're not even going to go on what president it was. Oh, okay. You mean who would I consider the most ET friendly president? Oh, that's a tough one. We know Reagan believed in aliens. We know the Clintons believed in aliens. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're pretty sure that Daddy Bush did. I don't know what the hell Baby Bush believed in. Uh, maybe Dick Cheney or Darth Cheney, as I prefer to call him. Maybe he he had some idea, but they don't. You know, first off, it's been a long time since they've told the Democratic president about what goes on at Area 51 or any extraterrestrial contact at all. Uh, I don't know why. They, for some reason, they just they they haven't trusted them in a while. But the only Republicans and presidents that I'm pretty sure knew, I know Reagan knew, because uh, Reagan was always out there talking about it, you know. Oh, you know, what would happen if alien race attacked? What would happen if alien race attacked? He mentioned this story quite often. And uh, and he's the guy who instit- instituted, well, Pine Gap, Star Wars, and Harp. I mean, he, he was getting ready for a war, which kind of bothers me a little bit. And then all of a sudden... Next guy comes in. We're not even talking about it anymore. But the Clintons had a huge appetite for this stuff. They tried everything they could to get information on this, and they were told they didn't need to know. Bill said it on television more than one time. He's I'm president of the United States, and I was told I don't need to know. What the hell you mean I don't need to know? I'm president. Um, but presidents are transitory. So they figure they don't need to know. Most of you are going to be here is eight years. And then you're going. These colonels and generals have already been here 16 or 20 years. They're going to be here another 16 or 20 years. Well, after, you know, whoever, whoever is gone. Oh, I don't think it's right, but it's how it works. Well, would you really want Barack Obama, George Bush, baby George Bush, and Joe Biden walking around with the secrets of our country. So that <laughs> I'm just. Oh, well, you were, yeah, okay, all right. I know what you're talking about with the document scandal, but the, these presidents, I don't think they didn't feel could be trusted after they got out of the White House. I think that's what they felt like that they couldn't, well, they, they could be easily compromised, I guess is how they felt. I don't know why they felt that. I don't work for any of those alphabet agencies. Well, what you mean locally? The CIA? Okay. People get confused what these organizations do. So NSA is national security. That's for the United States, just like the FBI is. But the CIA is not really. They're really outside the country. That's what they really work on. Yeah, they're protecting us from, you know, foreign stuff and things like that. And there's a couple other agencies besides that. Actually, in some ways, the United States is become a police state when you start thinking about NSA, FBI, Homeland Security, and a couple of other ones we got out there now. DEA, I mean, Rangers. It, it just seems like, whoa, man. It seems, And yet our crime rate is through the ceiling. We're not going to talk about that either because that will give you a whole other thing, but that ain't got nothing to do with aliens either. 
So when you look, when you go back and you look and you look at the government, you got to stop and say, all right, really, they don't know Jack. Now they're out there fishing like everybody else is. They're trying to run down UFO sources. That's why they brought all this stuff into Congress. They're trying to track down people who might be legitimate contactees that might have legitimate information. And believe it or not, they have their own abduction criteria. Uh, if a person says X, 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 and Y, 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 and Z, 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 and maybe a few other things, um, they'll pick them up. Because they feel like they really have true knowledge of what goes on aboard those ships. Now, I don't think the aliens care. As long as you're not trying to harm them to get information, I don't think the aliens care. But when you go to the, take that extra step and you, you feel the need to give them drugs or pain or whatever to retrieve that information, the aliens get quite nasty from what contactees say. Yeah, they will come remove their contactee. They, they don't, that's a big no-no. No, 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 no. Only they can abduct them. They don't really go for that other things. But then there's the handoff cases, which weirded me out like Travis Walton. Travis Walton was obviously a handoff case. Whitley Strieber was obviously a handoff case. Handoff cases is where the person is taken one place, given to the government, the government returns them at another place. And sometimes, instead of being an overnight abduction or a couple hours abduction, it turns into being sometimes several days. Uh, those are usually handoff cases. It's like, it's like last time I interviewed Travis Walton, I asked him about uh, the end of the the event where the people were in the white suits, and I said, "Did they speak?" He said, "Yeah, they spoke English, so they weren't telepathic, which suggested right off the bat they weren't aliens." And when him and I got to talking about it more and more, it just sounded like some people from the CDC making sure. You're not going to contaminate anybody in our country because you have been on a spacecraft other than ours for, you know, several days. So I can see their cautiousness and wanting to do this. So in some ways, I think in those kind of ways, they've established things with the aliens, but mostly the aliens don't care. They've already told, aliens have already told everybody they want to tell. Everybody who's being abducted, as far as they're concerned, has been told. As far as the other (coughs) 6.5 billion people on the planet, they don't care. I hate to say it this way, but y'all are cannon fodder. That's what y'all are. Virus fodder. COVID might even been a dry run for what they're planning. Well, in all fairness, I don't think it has anything to do with the aliens. I think I think they know something's coming. Some type of great extinction, just like the five before us. And I think they decided that they're going to save some of us. Enough of us, enough of us to start a couple of new colleagues and even bring some back here whenever whatever happens happens. Well, if I had to guess, we know at least one extinction, maybe two, were, were caused by meteors or asteroids. But it would make sense. You got to remember, Earth is orbiting the sun. The sun is orbit, orbiting the core of our galaxy which means it's a big, long orbit. It takes forever. And it's not just going out in an elliptical orbit. It's actually moving up and down like this. I'm sorry, like this. So it's going out in an elliptical, and then it's moving up and down at the same time. So we're passing through a lot of unknown space. There is space we're going to be passing through that we've never passed through. Nobody alive on this planet for the last 10,000 years, for that matter, the last 100,000, even the last 100 million years haven't passed through this space. So we don't know what to expect. Just, you know, we're out there looking with telescopes, but we don't really know what's out there. You know, it's space. And we and, and like NASA's fond of saying, you know, we're, we can watch 3% of the sky and the sky's mighty big-ass sky, and it's true. So we, we don't 
We're just cruising around. We may pass through an area where we get highly contaminated by some type of radiation. That's what kills, you know, 85 or 90% of the things on earth. And, uh, and then as we get away from it over, you know, a million years, it starts to come back. It does seem that, that something like that's happened. And we know, like I said, we know asteroids. We know asteroids for one time, 100% sure we think twice. Well, we know one of them was caused by Pangaea. Uh, one of the great extinctions was caused by Pangaea. The continents were sliding underneath each other when Pangaea existed. And finally, and finally, you know, it was like a caldera that went off. Yeah, it pretty much rocked the planet for a while. So that's three of them, you know. But we're forecasting, humans are forecasted to die in one. Just because the planet before us, everybody else. But the difference is, is, you know what? By 2030, NASA will be on Mars. Elon might be there before them. We'll definitely be back on the moon. We'll probably start setting up a presence on the moon. So it's time to get off this rock. It's not time to give it up or, or to forget about it because we love our planet. Uh, Terra nah, Terra's a great place, but it's time to give her a little break, a little relaxation. I mean, everybody says the planet can easily handle 25 billion people, and it probably can if you turn Brazil into a farmland and somewhere else in the farmland and cattle and stuff. Yeah, you could, you could probably feed them, but we don't need to. We got Mars over there. Mars can you know, slowly but surely be terraformed. It shouldn't even be a, a project we're even trying to do really fast. You know, as we learn, you know, what really on Mars, what they really need to do first is thicken the atmosphere to raise the pressure so we can walk around without um, having to wear suits. Well, all we need is a breathing apparatus. That's how they really need to do that. That's that's the best way to, to start off with and then worry about making it oxygen. But um, getting back to what Uncle Sam knows, and think about this. Most people would agree the United States knows more than all the rest of the planets, all the rest of the countries on the planet about what goes on ET-wise, and they still know very little. If I had to go from one to a hundred, I would give them maybe a fourteen. Yeah, I don't think they know any more than that. I actually think there are some researchers out there that actually know more than the government does. I think that's one of the reasons they tag them and follow them and aggravate them. Well, Pete, if that's true and I did know more than they did, all they would have to do is ask. I wouldn't give up anybody's names, but I'd give up any information I had. I have no qualms with sharing with the government. No, none, none. The blood dyke thing, you know, went public really fast. And it probably helped them to shortcut a lot of what they were doing. And uh, to help them find people a lot faster. Uh, you know, it was a mistake on our part. We should have kept it private. We thought about keeping it private, but it was such a fine that it was really hard. What's that? Uh... Missy, Missy, where are you from? Where? Oh, okay, never mind, I'm sorry. You're from Florida, you're a Florida girl. Okay, Panhandle, right, yeah. Uh, well, the aliens just feel, you know, they're doing what they're doing. They have their agendas, well, agendas, and they're doing what they're doing. Um, they they want to they want to roll their projects out, and if their project projects have something to do with removing some of us from the planet, then that's what they're going to do. Well, we still think they take a lot of humans at the moment of death. Well, 
in the early days, when I first got in here in, in the late 70s and early 80s, we used to get a lot of, of cases where they were being seen over hospitals or mortuaries or places like this, uh, morgues. And, and you were like, what the hell? Why would a UFO be seen there? What are they interested in? And then, you know, people, catalytic innovations going, so they were thinking of something more of it. But what it seems like they do is they have a few days, up to a few days, to actually remove your consciousness. And they can either upload it to a disk, upload it to a hologram room, or upload it to a new body. Uh, well, either one of the three. The disk, you just, it's like storage. You just basically, they're just sitting there until they upload you to something. Uh, a lot of them go to hologram rooms so they don't have to be in bodies. So they're existing, and, but they're existing in a state of a hollow. It's still them, but, you know. And then when it's time to reconstitute, they put them in a new body. They have very advanced technology in this, but they're not the only ones. Our government's been working on this for a while. Ever since that guy in, what was it, 88 or 98, put that chip in his head and recorded those memories out of his head, everybody was like, wait, what? You can do, wait, what? You can use a microchip to record memories out of your brain. Wait, what? Well, because what does a microchip run on? Electrical impulses. And what does your brain run on? Electrical impulses. And it was very smart. The guy, you know, was very genius. And then you didn't hear nothing about it for a while. The government kind of hushed it and foo-fooed it. And then a couple of companies came out and said they were working on it. Uh, so currently right now, they think in not that distant future that they'll be able to extend the human lifetime at least 100 years. Uh, they're learning stuff all the time. They're learning how to t turn stuff off. One agent, One group said they actually learned how to turn off the aging gene. That's fine if you can keep everything else from aging, your heart, your liver, you know, everything. Because, you know, your heart and your liver and all that break down from use. Well, if it, I guess if the right hormones are being produced, it'll stay healthy. It's interesting stuff. It's interesting technology. But, I mean, just think if we can work on that kind of stuff, what aliens might actually have. Well, Jimmy, you might be right. They might, somebody might out there might have this technology already. And be able to to de-age yourself or stop their aging at least. <laughs> That's a friend of mine one day. Somebody said, you want to be a vampire? He said, you should have asked me that 30 years ago. <laughs> he said, not now. <laughs> I started laughing. Uh, he's an old fat, you know, bald-headed guy. He, he said, well, I'd make an ugly vampire. He said, I'd have to get a toupee as a vampire. It wouldn't be very cool. And then he told he told the guy, "Well, if you can wait two years, so I get back in shape, then you can come bite me." <laughs> Just, he's an idiot. Uh, uh, Johnny, you know, the government's got agencies that deal with this, but that's another problem. They're so compartmentalized, nobody knows what the hell's going on. I mean, agency B and D have not a clue what's going on with each other. And if you get down further down the chain to like, you know agency F or K. Nobody knows. I mean, A, don't even have a chance to know what's going on. They do that so each piece can work on a piece of the technology or the information uh, but not be able to put the whole puzzle together. That's why I do it that way. Well, because you can become dangerous. You can want to sell it to an enemy or somebody else, a corporation. See, people always think, oh, they're worried about everything being sold to Russia, China, yeah, we are, but we're also worried about it being sold to other bigger companies out there. Yeah. Yeah, the government keeps an eye on them too if they all of a sudden have some leaps in technology. You're like, oh, how'd you get that there, Jimmy Bob? Let's go check out what's going on. 
because we want that advanced technology. Just think if we had the human or reptilians technology, not even all of it, just like their, just like their shields, uh, some of the smaller weapons, we, nobody on the planet could touch us. They have the ability to clean up radiation when you or vision use fission bombs, fusion bombs instead of fission bombs. Um, no radiation contamination, but you know, 60 square miles level to the ground. Nobody had challenges again. Think of it this way think if the U.S. went out and launched two bombs in the Russia and one in the China, two bombs in Russia would flatten the whole country, and one in China would flatten about a quarter of the country. And what do you think China would do after that? They would immediately surrender. And nukes or not, they would immediately surrender. Matter of fact, that from that point forward, anybody who said, you want to surrender, you want to die, oh, yes, so we're going to work with you a long time. But that would be the end of that because there would be nothing to challenge it. There wouldn't even be a way to shoot it down. Um, put a hypersonic missile, fission bomb, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, there's a difference. And fusion's badass, but this will be even better. Well... Somewhere along the line, and, 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 uh, and if you know anything about the aliens, you know that they've already done this. They're united species. They're not a divided species. We're a divided species. We're 200 and something countries now. Um, we're divided. You know, country A don't like what country B is doing. Krakow don't like what Lugo is doing. It's just, yes, it's kind of like a big mafia. Reminds me of one of them old Star Trek episodes. It's just we need to straighten out. We can't seem to find someone. We've been taught to be so negative, we can't seem to find anyone that we can all trust. Hell, in my own country, we can't even seem to find one guy we can all trust. We used to be able to. We Like Reagan and, and Clinton both had high approval ratings well in the 60s and 70%, but um, Reagan even had a couple of 84s. So did, so did baby Bush, but we don't do that anymore. Since Obama, you know, you can call Obama the Great Divider. He was the original star of the Great Division. But, you know, Baby Bush carried it on. And then, uh, oh, yeah, it's just, I mean, not Baby Bush. Trump carried it on. And then here comes Joe Pine carrying it on again. We just divide. We want each side at each other's throat, which, which bothers me because the majority of the country are really not, you know, left or right. They're usually closer to the middle. So I don't know why we put up with this bullshit. We need to de-elect de people we know that are idiots and start putting people in that are worth having. No, I, I don't know what we're going to do about it, but that comes back to what we were talking about. Why would an alien want to deal with any of these people? If you were an alien, enlightened alien being that's a billion years old and you've traveled across 100 million light years or even 100 billion light years to get here and you get to meet Joe Biden. Really? Come on, really? I'd turn around, I'd get back in my spaceship and turn back around and leave. Well, there's no reason to go meet anybody else in the rest of the moron countries because the strongest country in the world's got a what for a president. That's well, a fill in the blank thing, a what for a president. Yeah, y'all can fill in the blank. And what do you think? And do you really think the powers that be are going to tell Joe Biden about extraterrestrials? Oh, come on. I can't even believe that. I mean, really. Well, Mr. Mr. Biden, I'd like to know why you have an extraterrestrial UFO saucer parked out on the White House lawn. 
is that for real? Now, you know, I'm from Southern Carolina, and, and, and I need to know because that's pretty close to my house now. You know, it's like a hop, skip, and a jump from my house. And I need to know if that thing is real. Can you tell me, Mr. Biden, if that weird-looking saucer thing is sitting on the White House lawn, is that a real ex, or is that just fake? And then you hear you hear a pause for like ten minutes. And you hear Biden. Yes, and he's going to talk about something else. <laughs> I can see the guy now. Oh man, aliens don't want to talk to Joe Biden. And then he should probably write that uh, Joe Biden's probably running the country, or at least trying to run the country. I just don't, the aliens just don't have a need to talk to anybody else. They, they don't, our governments, you know, prove themselves to be pieces of crap every day. Not just our government, but everybody's government does. And, you know, you can't, they can't be trusted. They're backstabbing evil SOBs. And why would an alien race who's, you know, that, that old, that sentient, why would they even want to do it? So it keeps, you know, it keeps the government's information very limited. Even when they get their hands on a craft and can backwards engineer it, they can only go so far because some of the technology is still beyond anything we have or the materials needed to be made, the, the, the materials we need to make this, we don't have. And we haven't figured out how to make the material. So, but we are fine. I mean, we make advances in materials all night, especially in nan nanotechnology, but. Well, they got that new nano net for guns, for you know, bulletproof vest thing. That's going to be interesting to see how that works. Well, Kevlar was great, but now they're actually coming up with something a little lighter than Kevlar. No, and Kevlar didn't come from the aliens. Natural progression. So. What if the computer came from the aliens? Would that not have changed our destiny and our future? Because without them, we may not have invented this type of computer. And we might not have all this freedom we have today for everybody to be equal. Matter of fact, just before I came on tonight, I was watching The Rock. He was on TikTok selling booze, by the way. And he was getting a little buzz. And he was talking about his life and getting a little buzz. Now, I was thinking that anybody, anybody from anywhere in the world can go sit in there and text to him and talk to him, that's a game changer for the world. Or you can get on TikTok and maybe even get more listeners and followers than him, even though he's a world-famous star. So it changes the way, especially since COVID, it changes the way we look at the world. Uh, social media, media and just in general, is something that has changed the world. Uh, Brenda, what do you mean what I use? I use, oh, really? I use Instagram. Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And I don't really use Twitter much, but I do use it. Well, he told me he wouldn't let me have my pages back, so I gave him the big fat bird. Yeah. I don't know. We had a couple of good pages over there. Uh, well over 100,000. They were like, nope, you can't have them back. Screw you, buddy. I was like, why not, sir? I said, Elon, you know I love you, man. Now, now not so much, Elon. I don't know. Well, Uncle Sam doesn't give a good blank about any of that. Uncle Sam just wants the information at whatever cost. He wants to know, you know, what do you know? How do you know? What can you give us? How do you fly that ship? 
what kind of materials on it? Is is it really true that the grays interface with their ships, you know, melt into their ships? Is it true that when you go into a room, there's nothing but blankness? And then when they think about it, different instruments come out the walls or form coming out the walls. Yeah, I don't know if it's nanite technology, if it's just the ship itself growing and, and adjusting to whatever it needs, whatever its users need. Gray ships seem to be very advanced. It seems to be some type of living technology. Yeah, somebody said that's where uh, what's his name for Babylon Five got the, the got two of his Vorlons in the shadows. Yeah, he said that's where he got the idea from. I don't know. It's interesting stuff. Well, in the beginning, when I first got into this field, I was always taught that the Greys were subservient to the humans and the reptilians, and then I found out that was not even close to true. That the only thing that the human the Greys work for is the freaking light beams and the council and everybody else better watch their ass because they might get torched. Yeah, because now when you when you listen to contact these talk about a gray being president, a human walking, or kind of like bow his head and look away, big old six hundred pound reptilian, eight foot tall, he'll kind of bow and walk away. He had this little four foot gray over there, and you're like, what? Skinny as a rail, and and both these big ass races are kind of like. Yeah, we don't want to mess with you. Well, think about it, though. Their brain power is probably twice or three times what the reptilians or humans are. Maybe even four times. They're at least 50 times what we are. So, I mean, they just think about it and melt their brain or something. Give them an amorism, kill them. Amorism and kill them. But if, I mean, and, and it, then it seems like out of the four branches that do know, the Navy seems to know more than everybody else does. Or at least they act like they do. Well, the alphabet agencies are supposed to combine and pool their information, but it doesn't seem like that's what's going on. Well, they just don't know anything. Not anything of any consequence, anyways. Well, let's say they did capture some gray bodies. First question you have to ask yourself is, why did the grays let them keep the bodies? Why was it? Was there just not a ship nearby to get them yet? Because, you know, somewhere along the line, those bodies disappeared. Was that it? Why'd they leave them with the ship? Or was it the ship the Germans had and the Greys were just trying to show us how to use it? Now, we're pretty sure that the the, the uh, leader before Hitler uh, from World War One actually got his hand on a UFO, uh, on a flying saucer. It was supposed to be the human aliens had supposed to gift a, a Grey ship to them. Maybe because they knew it was so advanced that they wouldn't be able to figure it out since it's biotechnology. They might not, you know. Oh, shit, Germans would have figured that out. We'd all be goose-stepping today. Zeke Island is how we'd be walking around. I don't know who we'd be Zeke Island to, but we'd be Zeke Island somebody. Maybe Xi Jinping. Maybe Joe Biden. Maybe Putin. You never know. Or maybe somebody else. Maybe Angela Merkel. Zeke Island, Angela Merkel. You know, so. Well, we just don't know. So I think they're very limited to what they know. And they're like us. They're seeking information every day. Oh, no, I think there's been at least two contacts with the government. But as far as any real exchange of information, no, because we have nothing to give them. What are we going to say? Oh, what's okay if you take our people? Like, like, really, like they care. Like that's ever stopped them in the past. Oh, you got to give us technology for taking our people. Really? Why we got to do that? We've never done that in the past. So it's it's really hard when you get into these races like this. You just gotta you, you just gotta kind of stop and go, what the hell's going on here? 
Uh, and why is the government having such a hard time? Why are they running the roadblocks everywhere? Because frankly, I don't think these aliens really want them to know. And I don't think they really, really, I don't think they feel like there's a need to know for most governments. I don't think they, they really trust them enough uh, to do that. And they definitely don't want to let the government know where they're at and what they're doing. Well, would you? If you, you see what they supposedly did, the gray alien, they autopsied his ass up the one from Roswell. Would you want to be an alien caught here? Really, would you? I wouldn't want to be. No, I wouldn't want to be. And that's that's not even something I, I, I it's not even something I want to think about. Uh, <coughs> somebody sorry, somebody was sending me questions on my messenger. <coughs> Damn. Need some oak, man. No, that's not Coca-Cola, so you can't see nothing on there. My station manager frowns at me when I give free free ads for, you know what, Coca-Cola. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, Jessica, the best way I can explain it is, well, that's, y'all got some goofy string going on there, but the, the best way I can explain it is, is that the government over the years has been fully and functionally aware that the aliens have been coming and taking our, their citizens. And any chance they get, you know, like doing military abductions and stuff like that, any chance they get, they try to abduct it. They try to get the information. They try to be places. Uh, even They even try to, you know, try to predict where something might be going on so that they can get there around the same time it happens so they can get more information out. Because they don't know. I mean, they, you know, so they know things like the reptilian and human ships are still click and switch. Not like ours are. Ours are click and switch with wires. There's a click and switch without wires. There's no wiring anywhere. The grays are organic technologies. You mean the tall whites? They're supposed to be more like us. That um, I think Charles Hall said anywhere from 500 to 1500 years more advanced. So probably still losing a lot of base technologies that we use. Just way, way, way more enhanced than computers that are way more enhanced. Um, hey, Christy, how you doing? Well, you gotta love, you gotta love the aliens. I mean, they're out there doing their thing and they don't seem to care what else anybody else is doing. It's funny to me because I get a lot of times, I get people who write to me, especially after shows like this. So I'll get somebody to write to me. Well, Joe, you're wrong. They're here to save us. Okay. Joe, you're wrong. They're here to be mean to us. Okay. Well, prove that to me. Don't, don't send me a letter. You know, show me where they've done this. Show me where they've cared. Show me where they've helped. Or show me where they've gone out of their way, them, themselves, and, and done something to harm us. Well, you can't because there is nothing. The um, When you look around our planet, obviously there's nobody helping us right now because we are a bunch of effing morons. And that's as politely as I can put it. And as far as disasters wiping us out, it doesn't look like any any disasters or anything other than man-made because we don't need anybody to help us out to wipe shit out. Uh, we seem to be walking a little fine balance here, and uh, that's where we are. And yeah, I'm sure the races would like to see us go one way or the other, but we don't seem to want to go anywhere but where we are. It's like we like walking the fence or something. As humans, it just seems something we, we want to do. Well, that's mainly because I don't think I think most most contactees know in their soul and their heart that that and their families are safe 
and the rest of the world is probably screwed. One of the things they talk about is the um, the Holocaust dreams. Uh, I can't tell you how many contactees have had the Holocaust dream. At least a third of all of them that we know of have had this dream. And this is a dream, it's somewhere in the future, of just groups of humans out there, enhanced humans out helping to find contactees that have not made it to wherever, whatever ship or wherever location is that they're leaving from. Uh, so, and I don't know why they're having to do this, but they're having to go find these people. Um, you know, you hear this and you do hear about them being enhanced humans, but you also hear them like, so one lady said, I'm driving through the town. The light, stoplight comes on. I'm like, what do you mean? There's nobody here now. Nothing. All the streetlights and all work. And she's freaking stoplight comes on. I'm like, well, I can just run the light. And she said, well, I stopped. And when she she looked over, she noticed that, you know, there was something something in the window like a face. And so she got out the car. And they all got out the car and walked over to the, the window. And the window immediately addressed her and knew who she was and what was going on. So this is, this is another thing. The window also knew the other so-called two people who were there that she didn't know. And it also addressed them. It was a, it was an ad. It was an AI ad is what it was. Uh, that's, that's what they predicted. Now, we've had facial record software to, to sell you stuff. But there's a thing about it that the governments, not just our government, most governments don't want it to happen. Uh, most people are against it. Even most humans are against it. I mean, we get tagged enough. And I never understand this. You go buy something and then you get ads for it for the next six weeks. Really? I just bought that. Why are you sending me ads for that? Why don't you send me ads for something else? Well, these are the same things. So let's say, you know, let, let's say you bought something really embarrassing and you walk up to this window and it immediately says, well, you bought this product. Do you want to rate it? Okay. And all your friends are standing there going, well, uh, Jenny, you want to rate that thing you just bought there? It's just, you know, I don't, so they talk about that. They talk about mass burials uh, on the edges of cities where you see these big, huge dozers just pulling up things and just dumping graves, just mass. Um, every now and then they said you see a human that's like stuck in between the people who died and, and them because contactees are immune to whatever this is. Mm -hmm. It's interesting in itself uh, that they are immune. And I noticed something too. A lot of the higher contactees uh, didn't get sick for COVID at all. Don't know what it means. They just didn't. Then the ones that didn't get sick usually survived it pretty easily. Oh, I wish. Uh, Stephanie, COVID like to kill my ass. Oh, no, man. It was rough. We got the first wave. It was, no, I've gotten it twice since then, but the first wave was just horrible. I got it last year coming back from L.A., Probably on the airplane, but you know, we were a lot of people. We had a gala event. It, was, it, it could have been anybody. Well, we got to take a little break here in a minute. And we'll come back and finish up on. Well, we'll finish on up. Could the could the government have things from aliens or maybe other paranormal things or maybe something that cross parallel dimensions? Could we have the stuff like that that we could consider secret weapons like the Grail? Or the box that held the, yes, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, we get a little <laughs> Temple of Doom going. <laughs> but anyway, let's let this. Uh, no, we're going to pop this commercial on. We'll be back in about, I think it's about two minutes, if I remember right. It's uh, one of the, one, I think it's one of the opening songs and uh, just a commercial. So, 
hang on, be back, see y'all in about three minutes. I had had enough. Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging E.T. in general out oh, in the yeah, middle of nowhere? that's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really ticked off. When I was having this fit, I, had, I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, okay. He was a Louisiana man named Montaldo. Folks around called him Six Gun Joe. Worked with Icar, don't you know? Investigating Out for a drive with a gal one night They stopped to check out the reporting site When an alien lit right there on the ground he commenced to throw in his weight around Now old six gun didn't take too kindly to that kind of thing Especially without Vaseline or anything you know Seriously Well six gun looked that critter right in the eye And said any last wish before you die Yo Reached for his gun, quick as a twitch, and said, Fill your claw, you son of a bitch. Now a legend spread across the land about this pistol-waving man. But if you're from space or from Earth below, you don't give no lip to Six-Gun Joe. <laughs> UFO Undercover, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Hello, hello, and welcome back, people. What was that weirdness that popped up on my screen just now? Sorry about that. I'm not sure what that was. Um... Yes, Six Gun Joe. You better watch out. Six Gun Joe got a, well, what is it now? It's 14 Gun Joe. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. It's 21 Gun Joe. That's why I forgot what my new one holds. Uh, 21 of a bone chamber, 22 Gun Joe. So I'm just warning you ahead of time, buddy. Beware, because I'm coming for you. Um, we go out a lot. We do a lot of UFO hunting and stuff. Not as much as we used to, because we've been busy with life and life things that go on, but still busy, busy. Uh, but like I said earlier, we're going to be restructuring ICAR, probably redoing at least two of the websites. That's going to be a lot of work. But before we even get into that, we still have to get, you know, ladies and gentlemen, on Roku tonight. So if you're at home, you can watch us on your television set. You can grab your remote control and blow my face up the size of a 70-inch TV. Why you want to do that is beyond me. But, um, yes, somebody reminded me that Roku has Zoom in and out because they were looking at these books. 
right past my skull there, and I could see the names on them. I was like, damn, that Roku works pretty damn good. Uh, but anyway, getting back to what we were talking to. So when we get back to Uncle Sam um, and what he knows. So there's lots of, lots and lots of documents. I mean, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of documents. John Greenwald, which is one of my favorite guys. I, the first time I ever talked to him, I think he was 16. He is he has gotten FOIA stuff to fill. And he's not the only one, but he's, he's probably one of the most prominent out there with FOIA. And, but there's been a lot of other people in the field that's done a lot of FOIA. But it's always the same result. Redaction, 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 redaction. So you get, oh, your UFO scene, and then nothing but black. Uh, June 26, 1946, uh, nothing but black. Another five pages of black. So what's in here, really? What, I mean, what is it? Oh, my God, the UFO landed. They drugged the people out of the house. They pulled them in the house. They threw them in the spacecraft. They stopped and had dinner. You know, and the people with dinner. I mean, I don't. So some of this stuff is is way past the seventy five year um, Freedom of Information Act. I mean, Freedom of Information Act. So at seventy five years, whatever it is, should be made public. On problem with that is, let's see. Uh, oh no, Kennedy. Kennedy hasn't made the seventy five years yet. No, Kennedy is. He was assassinated in 1963 in September, November. He's 60. It was, it was only, uh, that was 60 years ago. Yeah, he hasn't made the 75 mark yet. No. There's lots of other stuff that has. Ooh, yes, there has. No. We mean Betty and Bunny Hill. As far as I know, nothing was redacted by the government for Betty and Bunny Hill. I just didn't understand why Barney had so many military contacts. I, it just didn't make any sense to me. He was just a postal clerk. I mean, I guess he made his friends in school or something. You know, sometimes you make friends you keep for life. And, and maybe that's what happened here. The one guy was definitely a friend. The other two were not so much. You know what a colonel makes? You have any idea? Colonels are well paid. Oh, yes. Oh, no, don't think they're not. They're very well paid. Mm -hmm. Especially and if they're doing any kind of in the field kind of work, they get hazardous pay along with their well paid. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff you can have when you're in service. So, what I mean when the government knows and nothing, okay, the government knows that we're being visited. Uh, they've seen craft. They've probably even been inside some craft here and there. Maybe had a swap of this, swap of that, but they don't know what it is that ET wants. Why are they here? Why don't they just come public? Is it behest of our government asking them not to? No. Because this is weird. So the further you back and past, the more you see the aliens were much more open in our societies. It doesn't seem until around the time of Christ, around 2000 AD, that it changed. And it didn't even change completely because still in Egypt and in South America, they seem to still walk openly. Uh, they seem to, to interbreed with the population, mix with the population. Uh, they seem to just, you know, be in there. Remember, Central America and South America, is, blood type is 98% O. So there was something definitely went on down there that was weird. Something funky monkey went on down there. So, you know, these groups seem to be kind of offset from, from everything else on the planet. Uh, what do you mean? Are they aliens? No, but we know that the aliens after the birth of Christ were still playing God in these areas. And, but that eventually faded away. 
Well, you mean put a date on it? Probably conquistadors when uh, they came over and when they found the gold. When they came, yeah, that's that was probably it. But you know, it's still weird though, because you notice the Spaniards interbred with a lot of people. There was raping and pillaging going on, babies being born, but yet the blood type is still ninety eight percent O. You can't tell me all those conquistadors that came over were all oh, I'm not going to believe that, unless they actually where was the actual raids? If it was in now, if it was in North America, Mexico, somewhere else, that might be different. No, uh, North America. All of North America, which is Mexico, Canada, United States. Uh, I mean, that's the main ones. Uh, no. Why is it every show? <laughs> Mexico is in North America. Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't make it that way, but it's in North America. If you don't believe me, just type in North America Treaty Pact and you'll see who's there. Or just type in, where where, where does Canada? Is it North America? Yes, it is. Uh, I mean, Canada, sorry, Mexico. We all know Canada's in North America. Oh, yes. Well, I don't know. All of this is strange, but the government seems to know some stuff, but then they don't seem to know what they need to know. They don't have any real meat and potatoes, and maybe that's why they they friended the tall whites out at Area 53, because they're, they're – from what I understand from Charles White and what I got out of these stories, and you know, I wish I wish he'd do interviews again. I wonder if I could talk his wife into doing interviews, but maybe I get somebody to represent his books. But um, he he really made them like rock hoppers almost, like in, in expanse. These guys were here. They had a they had a, a base here, not a huge base, but a base here, and it looks like they use it for jumping and going, jumping and going. And it was weird. This was a race. The older they got, the taller they got. So when you met the really, really tall ones, uh, they were pretty old. And then when, when they got to be tall and frail, you know, they were really, really old. Don't ask me. How, you know, that's just what I was told. I was told a lot about the tall whites. Oh, yeah. I've learned a lot about them over the years. And, and I've learned other stuff since other people supposedly have met them. Uh, yeah, but... The Vegas stuff, and I've said this before. I, I even gave Charles Hall some shit about the Vegas stuff. The problem for me is, is okay, to date, for ICAR, I can't speak for any other organization but us, we had two state troopers that contacted us who said they seen him, like four taxi cab drivers, um, one limousine driver. I'm sorry, two limousine drivers who drove him around. The taxi cab drivers were just sitting in the thing waiting when they got out. Yeah, you know, sitting on the thing waiting to pick up a fare and uh, before Uber. Yeah, no, that's funny. <laughs> okay. But um, so the, and the limo, dream, limo drivers remember very distinctly talking to them. And uh, and they were told by these God, the guys that were with them, which they referred to as men in black, even though they were in gray uh, or um, whatever color it was. And they, uh, <laughs> they said, do not talk to them. You're not allowed to talk to them. They're foreign dignitaries. More like Lurch's family came in to visit, but still, they went out and they ate and they drank and they gambled. Well, the smaller ones, you know, were only like six and a half, seven feet. They were tall and with glasses and all on, you really couldn't tell what they really were with their hats and all on. Don't ask me. I, I, you know, Charles Hall said they were cranky, had a bad disposition. If you insulted your kids or it looked like you were going to hurt their kids, they would kill your ass. Yeah, he got in great details about them. 
Um, but yet they had an operational base for with our government, or still do, from what I heard, still do have an operational base with our government. Aliens at Area 51. It's not like the aliens at Tulsi. Y'all know that Tulsi just bullshit, right? I'm just being honest with y'all. It's bullshit. Yeah, somebody was smoking the pizza pipe. Um, but I didn't say nothing. That must have been my alternative. Joe snuck out there for a second. Uh, my my um my inverted Joe. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I was thinking about. Oh, speaking of that, before we get out of here, I know we we got a little while before we get out of here, but um, we're looking for people for doing the banner design, promos, intros. You, you know, we're not looking to pay anybody, but. You're going to get a lot of free press, not just on the network, not just in the archives, but we're on Roku now. So, you know, you can, you can put a banner up. We can even put one like in the corner uh, so people can see it. Well, yeah, if you do banners for us or audio stuff, we'll just like, like this, put your banner right here so people can see it, you know, different kind of thing, however you want to put it up there. Yeah. Ooh, yes. No, I don't keep one of mine up there. Nah, I don't. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel the need. Oops, sorry about that. I don't. Uh, I don't feel the need to put mine. If I'm gonna put one up, it's gonna be a UPRN banner. Yeah, like this one. If I'm gonna put one up, but usually I don't. Well, because I like to sit kind of sideways, like I do, so it would just be over my head, aggravating me. You know, I have talked about that, and. Um, I've met a lot of people in government over the years. I mean, a lot of people. And I've heard a lot of different things. A lot of it turned out to be bullshit, but a lot of it didn't. And a lot of times I was given pervy information on where I should be looking or people I should be seeking or areas that may have something of interest. And a lot of them have paid off. I'm not going to lie. But I think part of it is, and I was talking with my son about this earlier today, or actually with a friend of mine about this earlier today, you know, I looked up in the Navy and got a really high security clearance. Really, really like un- unreasonably high security clearance. But somebody asked me one time, oh, you must know everything about aliens. As a matter of fact, I get this a lot. You must know all about aliens. No. I used to work in some very sensitive places on the USS Nimitz. I had to work in the Conan Tower. That's, you know, the f- where the captain is and everybody's up there. I had to work on all the jets. I had clearance to work on every jet we had. Anything that was electronic, I had clearance. If it was avionics, I definitely had double clearance because I was a, I was an ATAE advance is what I was. So then I also got to go in the reactor room with old, old Salty. Now, I didn't actually physical work on Salty, which is, they called her Old Salty. That was the reactor aboard the ship, um, the nuclear reactor. But I got to work on all the electronics around it. Yeah. They had two special guys who actually worked on the reactor itself. Nobody else was allowed to touch it. Nope. But I was allowed clearance. But that was the thing. Going in all three of these areas, the only person that had higher clearance than me on the ship was a captain. I'm not even sure it was higher. I think it was the same. Yeah, I don't even think it was higher. Because I was told when I when I hit shore how high it was. I was like, wait, what? Oh, it's great now because it opens doors. Because I'll tell you a little secret. And I learned this with a friend of mine. One of my directors has a relative that works in a, in a facility that's a secret facility. And I knew it because we were talking one night. And uh, anyway, make a long story short, uh, I had asked her for some information about um, an aircraft that we had seen somewhere else. And if it was like an Aurora or something else along those lines. 
So she actually cleared it. She actually went to her boss and cleared it. Now she does security for this facility. She's a scientist and she's in charge of scientists, science security over the scientists. And uh, she still is. She's been there like 10 years now. And uh, he, he looked me up, pulled me up on the fab, which is the end, uh, the clearance index. She's, he's like, he's got a higher clearance than you. Sure. So yeah, I can find out stuff, but it's stuff I can't share. So why bother? Well, I get into stuff that it's going to drive me crazy. It's all it's going to do. It's going to sit in my head. So I don't usually try to use the clearance for that. I use it for other stuff. It opens other kind of doors too. But um, getting into these things is, is dangerous. You never, I mean, I've been threatened more than one time. My family's been threatened a half a dozen times at least. You know, the government doesn't like when I talk about specific things or things that they're pissed off because they, they didn't know as much as I did. That's what it really is. I mean, the one guy admitted to it on Wake Up USA one night. He said, well, we listen to this because you know more about this particular area than we do. Really? I'm a nobody whoop it, dick. Come on. You can't even tell me that. Kind of shit like that shakes my faith in the government sometimes. Not because I'm a nobody. It's not like I'm Elon Musk or something. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of shakes my faith in the government. You mean Elon and aliens? Freaking Elon is an alien. Oh, my God, he's an alien. He's some kind of gray hybrid, man. Oh, yes, he is, man. I'm waiting for some little out. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you all this. I'm going to say this again. So Elon's going to build his colony on Mars, and he's going to turn out to be like the guy in um, the James Bond movie, uh, Moonraker. You know, the evil scientist that builds a colony and has all the perfect people. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that's what's going to go on here, man. Come on, he's already got 10 kids. By the end, he have 30 kids. He's being his own, his own little army there. You know, Claire, as far as I know, there's only one he doesn't speak with. Yes, it's a female who has a noun problem. Yes, she don't know what noun she is. Yes, so they don't talk. Well, I don't know his take on that. I honestly don't. I only follow him for space stuff and political stuff. As far as his his beliefs on gay or non-gay, that's I don't, I don't really care. Well, come on, I was born in New Orleans. See, it's hard for me when I hear this argument because I was raised in New Orleans. Gay things is gay. Nobody thinks anything about it. Nobody even thinks twice about it. If you're local and you've been to quarter more than once, you know, it's not even a thought. They do their thing, you do your thing, everybody does their thing, nobody screws with each other, nobody tries to hurt each other. It's just one big party. And that's what it is. And people go to work and that's it. And nobody cares. It, it Really, truly, nobody really cares here. There's other places like that. I mean, Queens is kind of like that, but more San Francisco would be a better example. Uh, maybe part of Paris. Um, there are just some places in the world that, that that's it's very... Well, actually, it can't be Paris. I was listening today about... Um, so you can still get arrested and killed for being gay in France. I was like, what? Yeah, they, they were decriminalizing it today. And then they were doing so. I was like, what? It's like the blue book laws. And like in Louisiana, where every Sunday I can take out my, my four-inch belt and whoop my wife's ass. Mm -hmm. We'd see how that worked. I'd have to go hide my gun Martha from her because I'd be dead afterwards. Yes, these are not... <laughs> These are not women for the back in the past. But that going back, I mean, the government is to a point where it needs this extra knowledge and it can't seem to get it. 
it's looking for it everywhere, but MUFON's been dead. They they compromised MUFON a decade or well, two decades ago. Uh, they've compromised lots of organizations over the time, and they just the information's just not there. What are these aliens want? Why are they doing this? Why have they been doing this for so long? Why are they interfering with our lives? What is it? What's going to happen to us as a species? And it's really hard for us to understand this, especially the politicians, because. This has been going on a long time, and Greys live a long time. So the same Grey that came here, 100,000 or 10,000, whatever he came here, she came here, is probably the same Grey that's here today. Probably same Grey that's been up in that family line for 10,000 years. Probably knows if there's reincarnation. Definitely knows your family better than you know your family. So that scares people. It makes them, you know, it makes them nervous. Look, I look at it like this. Uh, I seen that post a few minutes ago. There's not much we can do about it at this point. I mean, we can kick our feet, stomp our feet, spit, get mad, get on the internet, bitch, moan, gripe, and complain. Because one, our government can't stop them. Because our government doesn't really know what's going on themselves. And uh, I mean, they've got their hands on little pieces of technology here. And, there, and even that, they've had a hard time uh, messing with without some kind of help. But maybe things are changing. Now that we got fusion power coming or fission power coming, see, I always get them confused, fusion power coming. Uh, maybe things are going to change. You know, these reactors, the first ones will be the size of 18 wheels, and they'll be able to do places like New York. You park two of them over there, <clears throat> build a building, put two of them there. They'll do all the power New York ever needs. And once they start it, they don't stop. They completely make and there's no, no byproduct. I know it's almost too good to be true. Um, but they were talking about this as, as time passes, like with everything else, they'll get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then eventually there'll be one about the size of a butane tank that powers your house, one the size of a softball that powers your car. And it'll, it'll be endless power. You won't have to pay for any of it. Once it, once you buy and purchase the reactor, that's it. There is nothing. There's no refueling when you're driving to go somewhere. You don't even have to stop and refuel. It's a different world because electric's just not it. I don't have anything against electric cars personally, but they're not it. They're one. I mean, most of them don't get more than 200, 250 miles. And then you got to charge them for anywhere from 20 minutes to 10 hours, depending on what kind of car it is. Really? So that would take six, six or seven days to drive to California. That would be born if, and that's making sure if you take 10, I'm pretty sure there's a recharging station every so often. They got it on the map, but there was a spot there for a while between um, the other side of Austin and I forgot the New Mexico City where there was no charging stations. And a lot of these cars could barely even either make it to the next. Some of them, they were even worried couldn't make it to the next charging station. So, yeah, infrastructure's got to be there. So what's happened to hydrogen? Remember, we were going to do hydrogen cars, which only put, pollute clean water. But we haven't done that either because of the infrastructure. Nobody wants a hydrogen station on their corner. But in the early turn of the century, nobody wanted a gas station on their corner because it was going to blow up and kill everybody. Yes, I know. But that's not really how it works. So hydrogen wouldn't do that. It's not, you know, it's not how the whole system would work. But still, that's it didn't work. So I think the new reactors will be the way to go for everybody. And, oh, I don't know if I'll live to see it. Uh, there were 20 to 30 years before you really see the reactor roll out for smaller products, you know, you'll probably 20 years, 15 or 20 years, they'll actually have big reactors, at least a dozen or so running in the country. Uh, once these reactors start running, 
all these big power companies are going to go out of business because I don't know what they're going to do. Um, the, a normal reactor site to run a city the size of New York will only need five to eight people. Yeah, today they take hundreds. We're we're moving to a, a point like um, with these kind of with these kind of things and self driving cars and um, self checking out and stuff like this. We're moving to a point where people are, are, there's going to be a lot of people unemployed because there's not going to be anything for them to do. So we're just going to give them free money and say, okay, here's a, here's a free house. And you, you can't do projects. We already know that doesn't work. So you got to move these people in and out of wherever. Maybe they'll become artists and stuff. Maybe they'll achieve something. I, I, I don't know. But that's where we're headed. And it kind of worries me a little bit. Yeah, it does. What day is this? Today is the 25th. Why are you giving me trouble? I'm always being abused, man. This this girl abuses me, I'm telling you, man. It's a good thing I like to be abused because she abuses me a lot. I know, I know. What can I say? I get abused. But speaking, no, she's just coming here to make sure. <laughs> she's just coming here to make sure I get out of off on time. That's all. She wants shit. She she wants to make sure I get out of here in time so she can start on time. It don't matter. Everything overlaps. Well, Roku, Roku doesn't. I forgot about that. It doesn't. So I have to be gone for you to get on. Nah, 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 nah. I'm going to stay an extra 20 minutes now. <laughs> what y'all want to talk about, guys? Anybody anybody got something, a little story they want to tell and come in and talk? Oh, you want to talk about Michelle? Oh, we got a story we can tell about Michelle. So. I was picking on her about Roku and her 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 friend that's in love with her. <laughs> tell her no, I can't tell you how she'll hurt me. <laughs> um, no, anyway, getting back to getting back to what we were talking about. What do you mean? Uh, oh, you talking about what we were talking about? Um, shit, I was gonna say Area Fifty One, uh, Skinwalker. Yeah, no, don't bother. Well, like I said earlier, so the military owned it and they sold it. Uh, Bigelow owned it and then he sold it. And these guys are making some TV series out of it, but it's it's nothing ever happens. It kind of reminds me of Oak Island where, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my uh, I'm like, oh my God, how many times can we go, oh my God, until we find something? So it's, it's the same thing. No, I have nothing against any of the TV shows. I find them entertaining and fun, actually. It just sucks they never find anything. I'm waiting. Where's the gold? Where's the gold? Where's the aliens? I'm waiting to see something. Yes. Well, this government right now that's in power knows absolutely squat about aliens. The The powers to be, the people who are outside the government, and they're not even men in black. I don't know what the hell they are. Uh, these are just a group of people who used to be high up in the government, uh, colonels and generals and retired people from big companies. And these are all people that are involved in this. It's very compartmentalized, but they're, they're trying to get to this. It's like the government. They work for the government technically because the government pays them, but they don't really work for the government because the government doesn't know who the hell they are or what's going on or anything else. And they know a little bit more about what's going on than the regular government does. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make it the way this two governments. It's not my fault. It's uh, oh, you know whose problem? Who caused it? Amelia Passano, writer and teller. 
why in the hell did you cause a screw up with two governments? That's what you tell us. Yes, tell her Pink Short said to write to her. That's right. No, I'm serious. You don't need to write to her. Go go on her messenger if you got if you can get on her messenger. I don't know if she let you on it or not, but go on her Facebook page and spam her. Yes, that's what y'all need to do. Well, no, we only got a couple minutes left, and we got to get out of here. Just about two minutes, and we got to go. You mean follow me? The Outer Realm with Marcel Deloche and Emilia Pisano. Yes, uh, you like that whisper. Huh? Ladies, y'all better watch that. And knock you out. Uh, no, I having a good time tonight. Um, we won't get back to scripted until the end of February. And that's when I just script out whatever shows I'm doing. And guess probably not till the end of March. Yes. My God, other things I don't, I, I just, I'm so busy right now. I don't want to schedule guests because, you know, my show is early now at six o'clock. I don't want to schedule guests and no, and not be able to get here. I, I just feel bad. I'd have to call Michelle and say, you need to host my show. And she already has a show to host. So, you know, she won't be happy about those kind of things. Yes. Yes. I know blah, the impeller. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> just kidding. But we got to go, guys and girls. Any moans, groans, bitches, complaints, or anything else for that matter, write to Michelle DeRoche at, well, the outer realm. Yes. Y'all going to get me in trouble on that. But really and truly, uh, when we come back to do part three about this, we're just going to do just the blocks of the government. Nothing else. No, nothing to do with the abductees or anything like that. Just the government blocks. Uh, what section of government we'll try to break it down to as much and it'll probably only be in about an hour because uh, we'll try to break it down by block by block by block by block of which blocks of the government are doing what uh, and why some departments that you would never think of are actually doing stuff really truly they're like the department of yes the department of finance has stuff involved in it but that's kind of expected because that's where the money is but motor and transportation departments in several states are involved, and you're like, what? It's just just some some of these some of these branches. You were just kind of like, okay, why is this like this? But it is interesting. Christy, thanks for hanging out, Michelle. Thanks for stopping by. Everybody else who came out tonight, glad to see y'all. Everybody in Messenger, glad to see everybody in Messenger in a good mood tonight and causing mayhem and problem. Y'all should apply for that commercial job. Let's cause mayhem. Yeah, that. Yes, the uh, car the car insurance commercial job. Yes, yes, I am the mayhem guy. What is it? Progressive, I think. Mm -hmm. One more question. I got to go quick because it's seven fifty seven. You gotta be kidding me! What do you expect the first time to be taken? One, you wouldn't remember the first time because you're probably a child. And two, save that question for next Wednesday, and I'll answer it because we ain't got time. It, it'll it'll take. Just to make it coherent, it'll take 15 or at least 15 minutes. Uh, so you understand what the hell I was talking about. If I tried to compress it, you'd be like, wow, Joe just had a stroke. Yes, you would be. On that note, though, good night, everybody. Again, thanks for tuning in to UFO Undercover on United Public Radio and the UFO Paranormal Radio and TV Network. Good night, everybody. And for our Roku viewers, nice to have you on board tonight.